Welcome to Coffee House. I am all suited up today. I actually had a hearing. It was a video hearing, so I had to put it all together. Feels a little weird, but powerful. But today, we have already discussed the first part of 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson, so now we are doing the discussion of the first part. Because there's just too much in this thing to do it all in one go. So, I want to take a couple of things and run with them. Number one is something that we've talked about before. It's about archetypal communication. So there would be, in an ideal world, just beautiful, clean, empirical communication when you just want to communicate something that is unfettered and only the thing that you're trying to communicate. And there are no extra little strands hanging off related to the person or how we process things or the way that our intellectual and emotional analysis is structured. You know, if we didn't have sloppy primate brains, then we could just have these little, beautiful, clean concepts that are unfettered by anything else. But we don't have that. So. When we talk about archetypal communication, it's communicating in chunks of interconnected ideas that already have significance to us. So these are things like hero, the idea of a hero, the idea of a mother, the idea of a dragon, what a dragon means. And of course, Jordan Peterson specifically talks about these sorts of things in many of his lectures in the way that he tries to really define how we think and what's important and what's going to be motivating and what's not going to be motivating, what impedes us, what we should be looking to to try to get out of whatever predicament, psychological, emotional, or otherwise, that we might be in. So when it comes to communication, this is something that it seems like we have to have a very clear strategy on this. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be a conscious effort to communicate in a different kind of way. But it's allowing yourself to fall into that method of communication that is more, I don't know, like Talmudic or... uh, I think of kind of the the, sto- the storyteller, the folk storyteller, you know, the way that truth is advertised, it's kind of a cheap word for it, but advertised in things like fairy tales, in things like the Bible, or what used to be advertised in our films. You know, there were a lot of films that specifically went along these lines to try to communicate a deeper truth by using a lie. And it does that by showing you and letting you listen to things that have a broader, bigger, greater meaning from the roots of our species and sublimating those ideas and those drives and the appeal of those archetypes to get you to do the best things now. So as a segue, then we can move into, I think it was the last chapter in his book, the last rule that he talked about was set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world. And I said that was something that is vital and nearly impossible, especially for modern day (laughs) members of Western civilization. Right now we have this kind of weird crossroads where we are atomizing at an alarming rate, where we get to curate all the things that we interact with on a regular basis to be uncritical reflections of what we think or who we are or who we think we are. Kind of a really superficial version of who we think we are. And one of the deepest drives of humanity when it's trying to flee the rest of the world is to blame the world for all of its problems. And this is why he discusses in the book specifically school shooters and how they they fall into this idea of wanting to attack the world, wanting to attack God or whoever. And we do this in smaller ways by trying to blame everything else rather than taking personal responsibility. Now, personal responsibility is another one of those, like we talked about, it's an archetypal idea. It's something that, if you really dig down and try to understand what that means, then no sloppy human brain, except for mine, or Nietzsche's, of course, (laughs) will be able to understand truly what it means to say something has personal responsibility. But that is the archetype, you know, along with the, the idea of the hero. 
the archetype that needs to be disseminated amongst people about personal responsibility and ensuring that you have everything together that's around you before you start talking about how everybody else needs to change. But there is this broad, looming void that everybody has to deal with at one time or another. We all run away from it, but it's, it's there. But the one thing that seems unassailable to me is that the void is psychological. It's not metaphysical. It's not something that truly exists in a way that we could describe it. But for our purposes as human beings, as human beings in the throes of Western civilization, we can limit the suffering out there by communicating the right archetypes and the archetypes that are able to encourage meaning in a broad sense. So this is something that religion did effectively for decades. That's why it dug itself in so effectively. And the archetypes that we try to perpetuate or disseminate might be religious archetypes, but they could also be something else or something more or something less or something that is more finely tuned to the 21st century and where we are right now. As much as I like to rail against the political ideology that I think is doing the most damage right now, it's really indicative, more of a, a cry out for help as opposed to some kind of violent rage. But just to make sure that we're grounded a little bit here, so the nuts and bolts of setting your house in order, of course, Jordan Peterson talks about a number of these things, things like just making your bed, things like taking care of that stack of papers that you could have taken care of, and doing that kind of a thing every day. It's something that I've implemented and it feels much, much better. <laughs> but you do something every day to improve your life just a little bit, and the cumulative effect can be great over time. And he talks about a little bit how you'll start to lose that bitterness and the conceit, and your life will become simpler over months and years. One thing he says right at the end was that who knows what existence might be like if we all decided to strive for the best. And that made me think about a lot of <laughs> different things. So one thing is like the, the accumulation of tiny movements, the accumulation of tiny moments that are positive instead of negative like they had been, and how collectively that has a much greater impact than anybody could realize at any given time. And I've been thinking in kind of deeper time terms, now having a little bit more perspective, when I can look back on and seeing a chunk of a decade and seeing what I had done in that decade. You know, the course of a decade of events can create a new reality. And I also was trying to pay attention, I was watching uh, professional chess, and I was watching my favorite Call of Duty player. <laughs> and in both of them, I was, just, I was paying attention to this very, very small things that they might not even realize that they do, that they learn to do over just thousands of hours of doing this one particular thing. And how all those little things are the things that you learn over time that somebody might not be able to teach you or be able to just list, you know, in a, in a book but that you learn over time as you gain this experience. And even today, I had thought about the book Anti-Fragile, which we talked about before. And there's, at some point, we're going to reread a few of these books, or at least rediscuss them, because they're important ones, and they feel like they're lost to history now, but we'll have to come back to it. But that one has definitely stuck with me, where I had this big challenge coming up today that was you know, a serious challenge that I needed to meet. And I thought of it in terms of the Anti-Fragile book, that it was something that, okay, now I'm looking forward to it, and now I'm excited about it, and I can't wait to be a more profound and incredible, though difficult to imagine that is, of course, given my current stature, that I might be even greater afterwards because of the things that I got to experience and the challenges that I got to either take licks from or best. <laughs> but now I just love thinking about those tiny things that are learned over time that you get to add to your repertoire in, in something, and thinking about the greatest of the greats like Magnus Carlsen and, and this particular... <laughs> YouTuber for Call of Duty, it's just encouraging to really do everything that you possibly can to try to be better every every day. 
And one of the other things that Jordan Peterson repeats in a lot of his lectures is that we have to realize that suffering is standard. It's the default. So anything that delivers us from that is a blessing, is a positive blessing. And then I just want to talk about hierarchies specifically. I love the lobsters, of course. They're delicious, but notwithstanding that aspect of them, this whole idea of the depth of hierarchies and how they come from our ancient history. And there's something that is built into our method of engaging with each other, and not just us, in all life forms. They have some version of this. To piggyback off the things that we were talking about in the last part, we can't know everything that is required for greatness. And as people are hacking away at the things that they perceive as something terrible, you know, something that I would have done historically just a, a few years ago is rail against religion and all of the terrible things that it brings. There are so many other aspects to it, you know, it'd be like just chopping out chunks of DNA code and expecting everything to work out just because it doesn't seem like that has a particular function. When really so much of that gets reappropriated and used in different ways that you just can't understand and you don't have the means to understand at this point. So you have to be engaged in much more humility when it comes to complex systems like this. But even beyond that, hierarchies are useful and effective. It's something that has been extremely useful throughout recorded history and non-recorded history. And importantly, hierarchies based on competence are the best for everybody. It's the best for everybody to get the most resources into the most competent people. And that applies to any population and any species. <laughs> but hierarchies based on power are the worst for everyone. That's when they become tyrannical. That's when they become something that is just used for the oppression or destruction of groups of people based on immutable characteristics or other just absolutely horrendous criteria. And of course, not to, I hate to dip my toe into back into the political realm because it seems so beneath this kind of a conversation. But the leftist orthodoxy at this point is specifically against the meritocracy. You see this just over and over explicitly, that they have this problem with the idea of merit and the idea of meritocracy. And there's just been propaganda nonstop against it for years now. And they want to institute in its place an identity-based hierarchy, which is, of course, just the pure 20th century definition of tyranny. But over time, it degrades every aspect of society, and everybody is worse off for it. Of course, this is after the grandest, greatest accomplishment in human history between the 19th and 20th centuries, getting to the level of sophistication technologically that we have. And now, of course, riding fat on our hogs. We feel certainly complacent civilizationally. Anyway, this was Coffee House. We are going to have a guest, hopefully, coming up pretty soon. But other than that, we are just going to keep going on with our books, which is going to be Propaganda coming up next, right after the second part of The 12 Rules for Life. And I'm sorry I had to break this up into two parts. I just felt like there was so much to discuss in each one of these books that it would not do justice to just have one part for 12 Rules for Life. You know, Jordan Peterson is kind of very important intellectual at this point. But then we're going to have the propaganda book by Edward Bernays to get a better handle on what we're seeing in the media nowadays. And then we might either have Jordan Peterson's new book, or I think there's another one that I wanted to plug in there, maybe a Thomas Sowell book. But uh, So we'll see what's coming up after that. I'm still going to try. I know I missed an article this week. I'm still going to try to get those articles out too, because I think they are really nice to get some other ideas in the mix while we're reading these, these bigger books. Anyway, obviously, as I always say, thank you very much for listening, listening to Coffee House, and I will see you on the next one. All right, bye. <laughs>